Why Do We Podcast. For honor, of course. For why else do podcasters do what they do? And you're listening to America's most honorable podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and you know what? The jizz belt stays on during sex. I'm Ben Sheets, a 24-7-365. Green nights stay on my mind. I'm that green nut. (laughs) Cleveland Mosier. How y'all doing today? Well, I'm doing great because... Uh, for the first time in like three or four weeks, we've got the whole squad back in the same room for the podcast. Mm, hell yeah. Ben's back from Iowa. So uh, yeah, we, we've got the, the boys back together. And this evening, we're going to be talking about the brand new indie film from A24, The Green Knight, written and directed by David Lowery and starring Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, Joel Edgerton, and Sarita Chowdhury. And it is a, uh, a cinematic retelling of the Arthurian legend of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. And it is that, I guess. <laughs> I can, yeah, it is, I, I, would, I would say, for the most part. This week, I took the time to read the original manuscript. The whole thing. Yeah, Cleveland's our source material guy on this one. Usually it's me. Mm-hmm. I am not baby this week. For once. <laughs> Tune in next week when I am baby again. Um, well, famously, that story was unfinished, correct? From what I understand. No, not unfinished. Uh, it was almost lost in a fire. It's not unfinished. It was anonymous. No one knows who the original writer is, which I like. It, it reminds me of you know modern folklore in the same way as something like um, um like Marble Hornets, for instance. You know where it's it's put out there as something that's just said to be true the manuscript is done almost as an account uh as someone who was there in the court when they saw the green knight is the 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 feeling i was sort of given by it and then heard tale of gawain and his experiences so i've definitely i've got some fun input on that uh and how it differs from the film uh in a number of ways uh and why i like the way it the ways it differs um uh, judging by our reactions leaving the theater, we're probably going to have some differing uh, feelings on this film. Um, I think so, probably. Yeah, I'll I'll start by saying I didn't love this movie. In the few days since we've watched it, I've come around on certain things that kind of struck me the wrong way the first time, but I do still have a lot of problems with it. I, I definitely didn't hate this movie either i um i didn't really like it i'll i'll come right out with it i will say this is probably the least horror movie uh we've maybe ever done yeah we've ever done yeah um it is not a horror movie at all and honestly i found it kind of empty and boring um but we can get into that and the details on why i think it felt that way yeah, I I would agree with you for a lot of the movie. I, I found a lot of it rather empty in, in a kind of disappointing way. Um, it, it helps very much that it is um, aesthetically a very beautiful movie. The set design is fantastic. The costume design is next level. The cinematography is very good. Um, but it, it does feel like kind of a classic style over substance thing. And the one thing that's a little frustrating about the cinematography is while I did find that there were several very striking shots, it was so 
dark in the interiors to the point where it was a little distracting. Sometimes it was like, hard to make out, and I almost wonder if that was if that was part partially the screen that we were watching it on. It was like the the sound was kind of fucked up. The sound in, was fucked in, up. Yeah, in the screening we saw, and I I almost feel like maybe the 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 brightness was was turned down. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little lower than it should have been. It's hard to say. I with the sound, what it was is one of the speakers, like in the surround sound, one of them was was, was out, blown. It was and it wasn't. Out, yeah. And it was one that was. It's one of the front speakers that's usually used for dialogue in films, and so it was whenever dialogue got particularly loud, it got fuzzy. And fortunately, that doesn't happen very often. It was in the way film. more distracting in the trailers than it was in the movie. I yeah. was able to yeah. kind of forget about it, but I will agree that like some of the interior stuff. And once again, I don't know if this is uh part just the screen we saw it on or if it's the way the movie actually was uh i'm i'm I th- i'm pretty sure it was the screen color corrected because like I, there were parts where it gave me like the the han solo movie vibes where it's like so dark you can't see what's going on yeah well i actually looked it up afterwards because i felt the same way and I, that i felt after solo where i was like is this just the theater or yeah. is this like the actual movie? And I looked into it and I saw more complaints oh, about, other people the, complaining about yeah, the, the lighting. Mm. Um, so that's a shame. It might be a, a more serious issue. Um, I didn't have too many problems with the darkness. It didn't bother me too much at in certain sets. It, I wished I could see things a little bit better in others. It kind of like the, the darkness heightened the mood, I guess the atmosphere, but sometimes you do just want to be able to see a character's face when they're talking. Mm -hmm. Um, and like the place I found it particularly bad was in like, uh, like Gawain's house or his castle, like where he lived with, with his mother. Um, I could barely tell what was going on in yeah. any of those scenes. Now, the the like the court scene itself, where like the Green Knight shows up, that's very dark and moody. And for that scene, I liked it. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it there, worked yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So broad narrative strokes. This uh, this legend is about uh, a a mysterious uh, Green Knight who shows up in King Arthur's court one day. And lays down a challenge. On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, yes. I guess that is important. Mm-hmm. Um, at, a, at a Christmas feast and lays down a challenge. For a Christmas game. For a Christmas game and basically says, anyone here who wants to meet me in combat, if you can land a blow on me, then uh, you get to keep my my big cool axe. But if you do, a year from now, you have to come find me and I will return the blow that you gave to me. So nobody in the court wants to step up except for young Gawain. And I'm going to... King Arthur's nephew. King Arthur's nephew. I'm going to mention right now that uh, in the movie, everybody pronounces his name as Gerwin. Gawain, yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say Gawain. (laughs) Say however you want. Uh, No, No, so fun fact, no one actually knows how it's pronounced. Since there's no known author for the manuscript... 
the name was invented, I believe, like for the story. Though Gwen does make more appearances. I forget if it's before or after. Um, yeah, I, he's, I can't in a, remember. he's in a lot of Arthurian yeah, I, I read the legends. manuscript, but I'm, not, I'm by no means an expert um, on like uh, like Arthurian legend. I, I love it to bits. He's enough, but... of, a, he's enough of a, a central character that he's in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He most certainly <laughs> is. Um, uh, uh, but there, yeah, there have been a number of uh, tellings of Gawain. Um, what's neat is, uh, of course, in Gawain and the Green Knight, he is like, you know, he's noble, etc. But um, there are like other tellings uh, during Percival's arc. Uh, when he when he goes on his quest for the Holy Grail, Gawain is actually shown to be um, he, uh, he doesn't see the purpose in it. And he kind of falls like out of light and uh, like sort of loses like a great deal of his honor, which is cool because we sort of see that in the film. Um, well, in this movie, he's also importantly not a knight. So here's a here's a big factor. Even though the story is Sir Gawain, he's not actually a knight in this story. Yes, that's a part of the film. in in the In the original manuscript, he, he is, is a knight, knight at the okay. beginning. Which, again, one of the things I liked. I really liked they made that change. It it adds a little bit more um, importance to the role. Like it's his his quest to become a knight. Um, and it adds uh, a little bit more weight onto his shoulders, and it makes his projection a little bit more um, justified. Um, not just, though, but justified. And I like that. What I will say to people, maybe if anyone is listening who has also read, the, who reads the story before going to see it, don't expect the same kind of story. But what I love is that the movie fucking lays it out for you in the, the first shot. The movie opens with showing... The camera, like, zooming in on Gawain, and it tells you this is not his story, and then he fucking combusts. They just light him on fire, and the camera just continues to pan past him and fade out. They make that shit so clear. <laughs> um, there's, there's no question. This is not his story. This is something else that they're trying to tell. And I love it for that, for reasons I'll, I'll get into later. But beyond that, like, the majority of the bullets are all hit. It's fairly faithful in those respects, though it is, like... Much darker in mood, uh, you know. Like, uh, Guinevere is described as, you know, like the most beautiful of beautiful queens, and in the movie, she looks kind of sleepy. Uh, like, yeah, uh, she is played by uh, Kate Dickey, who rules. Uh, from Game of Thrones, and who is also the mother in The Witch, and uh, also her witch co-star is uh, in this film, Ralph Ineson, who plays the father in The Witch, uh, plays the Green Knight. He does great. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of screen time. The Green Knight is not in most of the movie, just kind of in, like, the scene at the beginning and then the one at the end. But that's my favorite stuff. I, I, I would, I'll say, and we can get into more specifics as we go through the movie, mm -hmm. but, like, big picture, I think the film starts and ends very strongly. I think the middle is where... All of the emptiness is for me, but uh, the the scene where the Green Knight shows up to the court is very well done. Yeah, I, I thought that part was was dope. It's extraordinary. Um, it's cool, like seeing the differences too. Uh, like in this, he's basically an ent. Um, he's got full bark face and little leaves sticking off mm -hmm. of him. Um, uh, it, it's very clear, and it's funny too. He's not really all that green. He's more brown. He's more wooden. Uh, yeah. But there's sort of a green light that follows him, which I like. Well, and because he represents the idea of the green. Yes. Uh, you know. Whereas in the manuscript, he, he's a, he has green hair. 
He <laughs> like he's basically described as a JoJo character in in the original manuscript, which fucking rules. Um, uh, like big guy, his his horse is green. He's basically like the Jolly Green Giant, like showing up. Um, uh, like his skin is green. He's just a dude with green skin. So he's just the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, basically, which is awesome. Uh, and I, I will say I'm glad that they they took a, a a more realistic route for the film, or maybe uh, not realistic, but uh, more traditional, subdued. honestly. Yeah. Which is funny, more, like considering because I think the Green Knight design is great. It's awesome. I, yeah. I think he looks like the way he looks is fantastic, and like mm-hmm. the part where he rides in, he comes into the the court and like as he's walking down the hallway towards like the main room like all of the torches are going out as he passes them so you just keep him in silhouette and he's like giant and his silhouette is very interesting because of like the branches coming out of his head Mm -hmm. um and then the way he rides into the light and you get the reveal yeah it's 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 very cool and i mean king arthur and and guinevere look fucking rad with their their crowns with like the the halo discs behind them um yeah, i love those crowns yeah i mean it, aesthetically like it all it's all very cool and like this is the stuff that was in the trailer that got me really hyped for the movie in the first place is like this looks very cool yeah. and and the way that he the green knight doesn't speak he just hands a note to to guinevere and when she starts to read it his voice comes out of her mouth thought that was very cool so i want to continue breaking down this scene and get into some other elements but it's just it's going to be kind of difficult for me to without discussing like spoilers of the manuscript and also the film when it comes to some comparatives because there's one thing like up front that is very different that does kind of involve a lot of spoilers that i want to get into sure so if you don't mind sure. for our listeners like spoilers from here on spoilers. out um uh while like i felt like this movie actually had a great deal of substance and there's a lot to think about um in this film and and there's a lot of like small details as well like i i thought that it actually has a great deal of substance personally Personally, but you know take it or leave it you decide for yourself go find out um but uh, yeah, I, yeah i love this movie well i can't recommend this movie i would say if you're interested it's probably best to see it on the big screen yeah, yeah. so it's my favorite so. movie of the year so far but anyway so a big factor another change that i really like is in the manuscript Gawain's mother is one of arthur's other um sisters and in this story uh, his mother's Morgan Le Fay, which changes a lot of dynamics. And I think in a really good way, it works quite well. So we see from the beginning, Morgana uh, or, or Morgan manipulating the circumstances. We see her like doing pagan rituals and like growing a sprout before the, the night, you know, appears. Yeah. It's, and we and, see her writing the letter that he carries to the court. Exactly. So, like the it's pretty, it's pretty obvious from the get go that she is directly responsible uh, for instigating this series of events, which is cool, too, because like um, Morgana is is known throughout Arthurian legend as like a manipulator at times. Um, uh, there are occasions where like she is like portrayed as like good. Um, uh, she was, like, trained by Merlin and some other cool stuff, which is neat. But traditionally, like, uh, she's also seen, especially, like, the, the writings involving, like, Lance a lot later on. Um, she is seen as, like, the down, is, like, King Arthur's downfall. Um, where she, like, disguise, she's known for, like, disguising herself as other people. Um, she disguises herself, sleeps with Arthur, and, very Game of Thrones-esque, and, um, like, gives, gives birth to the son, Mordred, who ends up, like, being the end of his kingdom. 
um, and killing King Arthur, which is pretty cool. So these these sorts of games, her playing like these these kinds of games with the court is is very fitting. They sort of cut out the middleman and make her Gowen's mother instead. And I, I, I like that. I, I like that choice for reasons that we'll continue to talk about. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of gives the the impression that she's setting up a way for him to esteem himself and become a knight in Arthur's court. Because before he sets out on the quest, like, she gives him the the belt, the, the sash or whatever, that we see her, like, sewing a rune into. And it's like, as long as you're wearing this, nobody can strike you down. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, because in, again, the manuscript, like, Gawain doesn't get the, the sash until the very end. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah, he doesn't actually get it until the sequence, you know, much later on at the the Lord's house. I thought that was an interesting choice. Um, I do like it, but it was it was like interesting for him to to find it and then lose it again and find it. Uh, yeah, and, and I've, be, I've got some thoughts way. about that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, yeah, it feels it feels like Morgan Le Fay is like setting this up so her son can become a knight because like the Green Knight doesn't actually fight in the scene where he comes to court. He just kneels down and lets Gawain cut off his head. Mm-hmm. It was an um, exchange of blows. Yeah. I mean, of, of course, that also shows that, like, Gawain could have just nicked him with the with his sword and it would have been the same. And then he goes to... Yeah, but he's got the whole court behind him. He he's goes show to, off. Of course. Like, he's trying to show off. He's also kind of freaked out. And also, like, he's massive. And he thinks it's, and he thinks it's a trick, too. He thinks it's a trick. He's scared. And um, and even in, like, the, the, the original story, too, like, the threat implies, though it is, it's a game, it is fake, to them it's very real. And uh, when him him saying, like, we'll have an exchange of blows, it's him ensuring that the blow is an exchange, right? Right. Like, he's he's trying to, like, like uh, play him over with that and, and make sure, and he, he pays for it, like, which is very cool. Well, yeah, because he cuts off the Green Knight's head, and then the Green Knight just picks his head up, and, mm-hmm. uh, like, the Headless Horseman rides out of town holding it and which tackling. Which was a cool addition. <laughs> like, in, in the, the story, like, he just, he puts it back on and is like, yo, got you guys, ha ah. Your turn in a year and leaves. Uh, and in this, yeah, he like he picks it up and like yeah, rides out cackling. It's like the fucking he- it's, it's like the fucking headless horseman. Yeah, <laughs> from Sleepy Hollow. You Which know, rules. Uh, wonderful <laughs> choice. Uh, yeah, really, really wonderful choice. The opening shot of the film um, after the the little narrated bit. Uh, I love how long we get to just like look at the like the little like barnyard there. Because there's a lot going on in that still shot. Uh, like, we see, like, the, the building catch fire in the background and, like, the people coming and going before we pan back and we see Gawain. Uh, oh, another really important... I was just focused on the drama between the goose and the goat. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I didn't see anything else that happened in that because that was yeah, Did you notice the burning building? Nope. There, yeah, there's totally a burning building in that I, shot. There are a lot of little things going on. I was just focusing, like, because there's no way that, that the goat and the goose thing was, like, intentional. They just, like, put those animals together and then like geese are at our assholes so the goose like keeps trying to bite the goat and the goat just like keeps like headbutting it like there's there's no way they set that up i was just like 
this is crazy. They just got this fucking goose and gun <laughs> to just like basically fight in the opening <laughs> shot. And yeah, I didn't notice any of the other stuff. It's so funny. On. Yeah, you're so caught up in it. Yeah, there's, so there's, there's a, so there is a burning the building in the upper right of the screen there. Didn't that is see hilarious. It. Honestly, I was the same way. Totally I did not it. see it at all. That's I was great. so focused on, on the goose and the goat. <laughs> drama. Yeah. So um, uh, it is important to, to preface a little bit uh, or, or uh, get back to the beginning because um, we there's a lot of uh, Gawain being a shit. Uh, we see like Gawain like like out drinking, fucking. Um, like he's he's having like a little affair with a like a barmaid sort of character um, who is like below his station, I, um, a, a, a prostitute, assumedly, because he yeah. he does pay, pay her, her. He right, does pay right her for sex, yeah. yeah. Um, but she she obviously like is in love with him. Mm-hmm. Um, she's played by Alicia Vikander, and she um, does a great job. I love the scene like during the long winter when she like you know like kind of grabs his jaw and talks for him. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because and she it, gives him the bell for a moment. It really does feel like genuine and sweet and and when he doesn't respond like you're you're i I found my my expression like falling with hers you feel that pain yeah he's a fucking asshole yeah Yeah. he sucks and uh she's asking like well once you come back from your like grand quest and everything and you're made a knight like will you make me your lady and that he's he just does not respond like he just he just like totally cold shoulders her and it's like of course he's not going to you know he's nobility and she's a whore so like but it's sad, man, and it, and it really and it it also like makes you kind of dislike Gawain too. I think. Oh yeah. I'm like I I didn't I don't like him. Well, yeah, I don't we're, think you're supposed to. Though. No, no, we we are set up to to think he's kind of a shit. Um, you know, and uh, which is not uncommon for heroes' arcs. You know, for them to start out kind of kind of shitty and and complaining, and and eventually kind of learn how to you know once they meet like a master figure or whatever, like learn how to not be a shit. So I thought that was solid. Uh, definitely not in the not in the original. And it worked. It worked for me. What's nice, too, is, like, you can identify, like, all the members of the court as well. Um, like, in the shot, like, you can kind of pick out, like, who's Percival. You know, like, Merlin's pretty fucking obvious. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I could pick out Merlin and King Arthur and Queen Guinevere. I yeah. could not pick out anybody Yeah, else. I really I mean, don't care about the King Arthur uh, mythos. I figured they were enough to people of the court, but, like, out, I wasn't but, like, ooh, yeah. there's Lancelot. Or, ooh, you know, I, I wasn't able to do that. I'm not a big Lancelot fan. You never yeah. catch me going, getting excited about Lancelot. But, but uh, like, like you said, though, Merlin. <laughs> Merlin is obvious. Yeah. yeah. He is dressed like a wizard. <laughs> True. And yeah, and he's very druidic, which is fun. One of the cool things about like the Arthurian mythos too is it's caught in between a couple of worlds. We're we're sort of caught between uh druidic practices, traditional mythos, and also Christian mythos and Roman like histories as well. You get a whole mixing of cultures. Like in that, and there's conflict between the like old like druidic pagan rituals and Christianity, uh, and I love how those two compete with each other in the film. Uh, when Gawain is getting ready to leave, they paint um, a Madonna like on his shield. Um, uh, they describe that pretty well uh, in in the the manuscript. I, I thought that was that was neat, like how how close they were to that. Um, and later on, we see the shield like stepped on and broken. Uh, almost immediately um, yeah the pentacle you know is a very is a very common and popular theme in that which is cool especially like when you look at it from modern like a modern lens um you know we we see like pentacles as like satanic or whatever but like when it is an inverted like it is like it's a holy symbol 
So anyway, let's move on to the next sequence. Yeah, this is this is where I start having problems with the movie. Interesting. Um, is is in the journey, and part of this is is maybe just my my inner dumb guy, but I I found like a lot of his his journey to the Green Chapel um, very boring because not much happens. Like I know they're supposed to be. We're we're supposed to see how sort of like incompetent and ignoble uh, Gawain is, rather than like the the noble knight that he sees himself to be. One of the first things is he immediately gets captured by uh, Barry Kewen. Before he gets captured, um, it's important to note that he he's crossing uh, a battlefield, and we see all these dead soldiers. Mm-hmm. Like we see, like the whole field is just laden with corpses. And he encounters uh, what, what was his name? Uh, the actor's name is Barry Kewen. Right. I don't know the. Um, I don't know the character. Yeah. The character. He's so, the guy um, from Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yes. yes. Every time you see that nasty little shit show up, you know that there that it's bad news. <laughs> he plays. He plays a, a great like little shit face villain. Um, he does. I yeah. I, I I thought he was like very charismatic in this too. I thought his character of, was fine. Uh, like playing with the coin. From, uh, Dark Souls. From Dark he does Souls, have yeah, patches he's, energy. He's like Barry Kewen yeah. is like the is and like all the, your worldly wants. Yeah, he's very <laughs> a lot of patches energy. Yeah, well said. Yeah, every time Barry Kewen shows up in a movie, it's like, oh, that, that's a nice looking boy, and then ooh, he's a nasty little son. <laughs> yeah, I got I got mad Dark Souls vibes from this movie too. That's the other thing. Um, but uh, anywho, he mentions that both his brothers like didn't come home. He was too young; otherwise, he would have lived. Um, and that, uh, yeah, they say the king was out here fighting the whole time. And that was a big part of, like, Arthurian mythos is, like, that, that Arthur would go out onto the battlefield with all those men and he could not be slain. And that Arthur could, like, single-handedly, like, conquer, like, all these enemies. And then you see it in his own kingdom. So we understand that Arthur might not be as good as the legends are implying. Like, that imply that, 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 that battlefield implies a lot of things. Like, and it, it shows, like, the, the dark side of, like, that conquest of, um, you know, I the, mean, this, this mythos. Also, like, it doesn't seem likely that Arthur would have been there at all because we see him in this movie. And one of the things I actually well, like no, about this but movie he is. He says that he was there. Like, in the dialogue, when he's talking to Gawain, he says that, like, the king was, like, you know, like, if, if, if I had been there, like, I would have shot the king with, with my bow. Yeah, but he's. Ba- how do we know that the king was actually there and that wasn't just, like, a rumor? And it's, that, oh, and the it's king pretty was clear that the king of myth in his retelling is different than the king of reality because he talks about the king killing the hundreds of men by his own And we hand. see Arthur and Arthur is old and frail yeah. and that's yeah. what I and that's so one of the things I like right. about the the interpretation of Arthur is that he's he's old and brittle and frail yes. like he's not he's not like a this this grand like golden king like if he was ever that it was way in the past like he's had his heyday so i mean it would make sense for there to be rumor that oh of course the king himself was on the battlefield and he slew a hundred men by his own hand but i mean 
those kind of rumors ride. Like I don't, I didn't mm-hmm. get the impression that Arthur, that old crusty ass Arthur, was actually at that battle. Yeah. Well, it's just yeah, it's um, more just that like yeah, that that dialogue is very specifically like referencing like like other like Arthurian mythos, which is cool. Which okay, is okay, really, sure. Um, but no, you're you're very right though. Like like with like the aging Arthur and whatnot. Like um, like whether he was the one like who actually did, like, but he was he was definitely responsible like one way or the other. Which is, I think, the the the, yeah, the drive sure, of the of course, commentary of there. Yeah, I mean, he's the king, so he would be responsible. But mm-hmm. I just don't think he was actually there. But that the detail, one way or another, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but going uh, back to what you were saying, though, on kind of the, the slow pace and kind of it feeling boring in the middle section, starting with this sequence, I I definitely agreed, and it kind of made me feel dumb too at first. But then I reflected on it a little bit and thought about other slow movies that I love that work in mm. spite of them being so slowly paced. Things like Andrei Rublev, for example. Yeah, man, true. Um, that movie rules. Um, which is quite slow, but it has such an emotional core to it and such a narrative drive that I think this film is missing that leads this movie to feel a little more empty. And... One one comparison I kept thinking about is there's this French director, Robert Brisson, who makes a lot of very notable art house movies in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. He was known for demanding that none of his actors emote whatsoever. And that gave a very distanced effect in a lot of his films. Yet they were extremely compelling because there's such an emotional core to the narrative and a drive to the narrative that you put your emotions and feelings onto these characters and kind of project onto them in a really powerful way. And it almost feels like this movie was trying to do something similar in so far as like it intentionally has a distancing effect to it in its glacial pace and its lack of narrative drive but I don't think there was enough of an emotional core to grasp onto to really, yeah, you know, give that meaning. I, and I, just, it, I had a hard time connecting with anybody because Gawain is obviously the, the central character of the film, but he's established early on to be a little shithead. You know, and so that already creates a distance from him that when he's stumbling his way in and out of the various set pieces that encompass his journey, and even only like semi misfortunes, like it's semi misfortunes, interesting. I mean, other than other than getting tied up by by Barry Kewen at the beginning and almost stabbed, like the bandits run off into the woods and don't come back he he cuts himself loose and then like he has he has the thing with winifred with the the ghost of like winifred or whatever where he dives into the lake to retrieve her head and visually that scene is very striking but it doesn't ever feel like he's in danger like winifred as a ghost is not threatening there's no threat there it's just like hey can you go get my head for me i yeah i found that scene to be pretty tense I didn't know if she was being honest or not. It was very hard to tell. Like, I mean, it's yeah, it's he's it's, been crossed before, so like, it's I, hard I to was tell, I wasn't then... sure like if something was gonna like get him at the bottom of the lake or 
or what. But so, the point is, but my point is, is that then nothing does. He just yeah. swims down to the bottom of the lake, grabs the finds her skull, and takes it back. Which is to kind her, of why it feels empty. Right? And takes it back to like, her body. It's like yeah, there's he was rewarded for for doing the right thing. But we're talking about it whether it's interesting or not to watch, and that's mm. our problem. Like he okay, he was rewarded, but why do I care? I, yeah, I thought, I thought it was interesting. Like, cause she she gives him like she gives him that clue in like the Green Knight is like not who or is someone you know. Um, like she there's a there's an exchange there as well, which I thought that was yeah. Really but, neat, but but once again, there's no there's no threat, there's no danger. Like you said, it's he's swimming down into the lake, and I was like, okay, something's gonna attack him, something's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the but, it's the perceived threat. Like right, isn't that isn't that tension? Like I mean, again, if it's not for you, that's but, okay. But, but for me, it, it was. But when there's no pay, when it doesn't pay off at all, then it's deflated. It's building tension and then letting the air out of the balloon in a fart sound. Tension is supposed to be built up to a to the balloon popping to a release. But when you just blow the balloon up, oh, it's getting really big. It's getting really big. It's gonna pop any second, and then the person blowing it up just. I mean, I think, like, if he'd like, gone down there and he found nothing, like, that that would be what you're describing. But he goes down there and he, he finds, like, her skull. And he, finds exactly he, he, what he, he finds exactly what she says is down there. She says, my, my head is in the bottom of the lake. Go get it. And so he swims down there, and, and that's exactly what he finds. Yeah, and I, I think the thing is, there's no real obstacle for him to overcome. You know, there's a perceived possibility of an obstacle being there but it's not the same as an actual obstacle being there and that's the point it's yeah, that's, trying to that's make. exactly the point because yeah she she gives she gives him an exchange it's like oh you did a good deed you brought me my head cool the green knight's not who or is somebody you know and but then continuing that same point moving on the next bit is he he sees the giants which is incredibly striking like the way he comes up on the hills and we see these massive figures like shrouded in fog like striding across this massive plain it's like oh cool this is really interesting what's going to happen here and then he and the fox shout at one of the giants and he's like hey can you carry me to to so and so and then it cuts to him on the ground and the giant's walking away well well like, no no he he asks the giant to carry him off and the giant like reaches down to crush him and the fox saves him and like it it talks to the giants and they go on their way like and the giants decide to leave him alone but the, the giant was going to crush him there like like then he was being like he was being rewarded for once again like showing kindness to the fox but then it's but then it's over and but nothing happens once again like there's a perceived threat and then it's it's totally deflated by by nothing happening he's never in any danger i mean he was in danger he was going to be crushed by a giant and he was then saved by like a virtuous act but why is that interesting if nothing happens i mean okay so i perceive that as something happening which is okay like if that you didn't find that interesting like it just I, came I don't think across to me as happening. overly self indulgent you mentioned like it's a balloon being slowly deflated with a fart sound this movie felt like the director lowry liked the smell of his own farts a little too much personally it felt like he was really almost overconfident in his approach insofar as he thought that these uh, sequences alone would permeate meanings and concepts where I think 
he needed to have a little more focus on what was trying to be said in them, at least in his own yeah. head, to have a little more narrative clarity. Um, but that's just my opinion. And maybe that's him relying on the source material and assuming that people would understand the connection between the two. I mean, I didn't read it until after. And like, I'm, I'm that, just, that made that made sense to me in the moment. I mean, it it makes sense in the way that you say it does. But the problem is that it it lacks it lacks overall meaning to the story because every time Gawain is put in what feels like might be danger, he gets out of it very easily with little to no cost to him. The, the most we have is him being robbed by the bandits where they take they they take Everything his they take him. his sash and they take the they take the green knight's axe that is the biggest and his horse and, and all of his food all of his belongings yeah yeah I'm agreeing with you that's the only time where there's any stakes to him the thing with Winifred there's the perception of oh maybe something might happen to him if he swims down into the lake. But nothing happens, and and he nothing is caught. Like he, there's no cost to that. Same with the giants. Oh, the giant starts to reach out its hand to crush him, and then the fox immediately saves him. There's no cost to him. You know, he just finds the axe again in Winifred's house, and like, okay, fine. Like I I get that. Like Morgan Le Fay is pulling the strings, and she's making it. She's making it easy for him. She's bringing the things he's lost back to him. I get it. But when we as the audience are supposed to be on this, like, knight's quest, the fact that, like, he just kind of stumbles in and out of these things with not not being, like, scarred by it or having anything taken from him except for that first time when his belongings are robbed and he gets them back for nothing later, it's just not exciting. It feels like it's missing an emotional weight to it. Like, yeah, I understand what the film is trying to do, but I don't think that in that regard it does it effectively in in the bulk of the journey. The journey feels... feels I, I just, yeah. It feels I, too easy. It feel, I, like When, when just, we say like that the, the movie is missing it, I wonder if it's like the movie missing it or if it's just that it didn't connect with you. Because like, again, like I didn't feel like those things were missing. I felt connected with the film in those, those capacities. I, I mean, don't think that that's the problem with the film. Okay, fine. Even if, if it's not connecting with us, sure. But a film, like a, a, a an artist's job is to try to connect with the people that they're... But an artist cannot connect with all people. Of like, course not. But, like, it didn't connect with us and we're explaining why. Yeah, and that's okay. I mean, you, you seem to be taking it personally almost. No, I'm, I'm, like no, no, I'm, like, I'm just clarifying. Yeah, okay. That, that's fine. Did you find an emotional weight to Gawain's journey? Very much so. Can you expand on that? Sure. Like, so when I was younger, I would make similar mistakes. I think that's a very common and relatable thing. Uh, you know, like starting out as like a kind of a young shit and, and having to like go through life and experience these things and be haunted by events. Um, I think when it comes to Winifred, uh, you know, like I, I found that scene to be very haunting and it's, it's reflective uh, when she says to him, my head was cut off by a knight. Was it you? And Gawain cut off the Green Knight's head. Like there's a there's a reflection in that. There's also a a a clear play with like with time, and it 
maybe was. We don't know in in that scene, in that circumstance, like when when things are still unsure and we don't know what he's going to find at the bottom of that lake. So like there are several revelations in that um, and to like her knowing that about what is to come in his journey made made that scene very mysterious to me. Um, and from then on, like, uh, also when Gawain is like strung up there, we get this amazing shot uh, after the, the thieves leave of the camera where it rotates around and we see like his his corpse tied there. And the camera rotates back around, and then we we see him like whole again, and he he manages to make his escape. And I love that. I love how we, yeah, we see him like contemplating good. his death, which is what the majority of the film is about. And that's the deepest level it connected with me on is an existential one. This whole film is about like contemplating death, returning to the green, and in that I loved it. And the film does an amazing job of showing it. It doesn't always tell you directly. Um, and there are times where it does just not in that immediate moment and you have to reflect like to, to make those connections. So throughout, like I was, I was being reminded of his, of his, and in turn, my own mortality. And I found that those longer like sequences to be very meditative because I was preemptively like boosted into cognition, like to be thinking about those moments, which is why to me, none of them rang hollow. Why I always felt like I was very much like in the moment, like experiencing this film, because the film I felt was telling me, was making it very clear during these slow moments what I needed to be thinking about. Um, and so it guided me and it felt like it was guiding me on an odyssey the same as Gawain. So that is that, that's a, a big way in how I emotionally connected. And by the end, I was also very connected with him as well um, when he gets to his falling. But we'll get into that later. I'll reiterate what I said at the beginning is like, I think I, I don't hate this film. And I think sure. that, I mean, you, you're, if you do, I think, it's fine. I think that the beginning and the end are strong mm-hmm. and I, I, we can start getting into the end soon because I like the way that by the end, I do feel something. In regards to Gawain, which is what is missing for me through the majority of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that it is about contemplation of death, but why, as a viewer, should I care if Gawain dies? And that's that's the issue that I have, so, because I'm supposed yeah. to be with him on, his, on this quest and this journey, and it never feels to me like he's in danger of dying and... If he was, why should I care? Because he's a little, because I don't connect with him. I got you there. So this is, this is my response to that. Though This is my thought on that matter. And what, or at least why I cared in that respect. So for me, it's not like a slasher film in that sense. Uh, that's, that's a little hackneyed to say, uh, but like where it's a matter of like his, why, why he should die or not. For me, the reason I was invested in him, even when he was a little shit is for the sake of the arc, Right. I, I was left in feeling tension over whether or not he was going to he would be able to achieve honor, whether he would able to actually like hold up to the standards of chivalry, like of of that morality. And the answer is so good at the end of the movie, too. Like uh, and I and I love that. And so throughout the film, I was on the edge of my seat wondering because that is that's like the whole crux like of like this this genre is like honor. You know, it is like chivalry and and like being a good moral person um, and what it means to be a knight. So that I mean, yeah, when the lady asks him later, you know, why are you doing what you do? And he says, for honor, why else does a knight do any? She shuts him the fuck down at rules, which, again, we're going to get into that and why I love what they do with that. 
Yeah, big pin, big pin in that fucker. But that that that's where the tension was for me is wondering like, is he going to overcome it? Is he going to get better? Which is why like I thought it was really neat like when uh, uh, the the boy in the field like asks him for to be paid and he kind of shrugs him off and then finally pays him like all those little moments. It's like okay. Are you, are you going to figure this out? Like, you know, like what, you know, what, what moment is going to come for you? And it's where it should, because it's in the same place it does in the story. And that's, but for very different reasons, um, at the Lord's house, which he finally gets to after also, uh, we got a really wonderful sequence where like he eats some bad mushrooms and sees the night in the distance. I liked that. I, I, I'm glad that, uh, they didn't go too crazy with like like the the, the psychedelics there. They they had an opportunity to kind oh, of man. drop the See, ball. See, I think I might have actually enjoyed that a little bit more if that. I would in a different a movie. Little bit. See, I I was I in that scene where I saw him eat the mushrooms. I'm like, okay, he's gonna have a trip, and I was expecting something like the ending of In the Earth, which we watched recently. That's what I was kind of hoping for. But instead, it's like he sees, like, a, there's, like, a single shot where he sees, like, the the night silhouetted in the distance, and there's, like, this green glow. And then it's kind of over, and it moves on. I, I felt like there was a little bit of missed opportunity there. I would have to, loved to see this movie go way more, you know, psychedelic and surreal. I think so, oh, too. I, yeah, for, for me, like, again, like, I would, I would love... Of that movie, but here I feel like it would have been too bombastic and it would have been missing the message. Like I, I'm, I really like that this movie. Like it, it, it stayed the course. On, I don't on know. That, I think personally. for for me in a lot of cases, like a really meditative, like contemplative film, like this is trying to be. I respond better to those kinds of movies when they're less literal. I would have loved to see a bombastic version of this movie too. No, no. Honestly, I would. I, 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 I agree. I would absolutely. I think that in a decade or so or two, let's get another Green Knight. That's like big budget, like gets fucking wild. Let's get a JoJo Green Knight in there. We've got the cool one now. We can have both. That's like a little bit closer to the original mythos. I'm I'm down with that. Like, don't get me wrong. You can eat mushrooms. It can get it can get fucking yeah, nutty. I, they can pull out lightsabers. I don't give a shit. Like, let's do another, it, but not in this movie. I'm fine with another <laughs> slow contemporary. Hero's journey in terms of this story, I, I would like to see that a little bit more surreal because I I, I love moments of, of surreality in in terms of like mm-hmm. being forced to introspect and like connect with a character. Like I like I like that stuff to be a little bit more abstract. And in all of this, it's mm-hmm. in this movie, like it's it's slow and it's also very it's also very literal. I'll put it this way: um, if in that moment, if he had gone on a psychedelic journey at that moment in the film, right? Then it would have been the mushrooms that bra- brought him to his epiphany instead of, like, his own means at the Lord's house. Bro, see, they, here's what I'm saying. Have the Lord's house, instead of being literal and magical, have it be a psychedelic hallucination. So do here's it psychedelically. the thing, it is? Yeah, well, the but, movie never says it, but it absolutely well, is. Yeah, but it's but it's done magically because it's obviously his mother yeah. projecting it, and we'll get into that. But what I'm I'm saying is like I'm saying it strip that strip the fact that it literally happens magically or otherwise, and have it be purely as a result of the psychedelic of the mushrooms mm-hmm. that he eats. Do it more psychedelically you know, more abstractly. And it makes sense. It would work because part of the reason that a lot of people do psychedelics is to chase ego death. Sure. And I think that that would have been him achieving his, 
you know, overcoming his fear of death or having that realization, doing it through a psychedelic. Well, see, there is something to be said for the fact that he does like he could have like that his trip didn't end after that. Like 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 when he woke up the next morning, like that the Lord's house like was result of that, like that 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 could have been an aspect of Morgana's magic. We don't know. I like that. Like they do. They still actively show this character like taking these mushrooms and like having a vision. So like we're already put into that place, and it doesn't it doesn't need to do like a a, a fuck off rainbow filter or or like any anything wild. No, it like, doesn't. It, it, but... it, um, I mean, but those are fun. Those are cool. Again, like in in your JoJo Green Knight movie, like let's do it. But um, but here like you get you get the same thing. He finds this lord's house. I mean, it's a castle, but um, yeah, he fi- he finds this lord's castle. The the lord I don't believe is named. Um, and no, it's the Lord and the Lady, but the Lord yeah. is played by Joel Edgerton, and Who is uh, great. <laughs> he's good. I always like to see him show up. And uh, he played. He also played Gawain seven years ago in the shitty King Arthur movie. Yeah, right? that is like yeah, a totally campy, dumb movie, and I love that. Like, uh, he uh, they asked him in an interview, like, uh, how do you feel about it? It's like, like these. This is it's like an apples and oranges yeah. things. Like they're such different. These are like these are. Uh, how, how did he phrase it? Said, yeah, these are these books are on opposite ends of the library. <laughs> it's like a really polite way of saying it. I like that. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's good. more importantly, the lady of the house is also played by Alicia Vikander, who you know plays his uh, his his prostitute lover Essel back at Camelot or whatever. So you know it's it's of course very strange to see her there as a lady, as the lady that she wants to be, basically, right? And then there's also a creepy, blind old lady. Yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, very Dark Souls looking. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, I mean, the, the presence of Alicia Vikander there is pretty much our our immediate tip-off that this is that this is magic. And we see her before, also, like, like getting dressed, like, by Morgana as well, I believe. Because Mor- Morgan has a few people with her. I don't well. think Essel's involved in that. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. No, it's not. But like one of the girls has like a similar like uh, Queen Amidala esque headdress <sighs> that she has. This is the only way yeah, I can describe sure. it because it's like Queen. It looks like Queen Amidala like yeah. from the uh, from the fucking Phantom Menace. Um, which of course I'm sure like those designs for the Phantom Menace were also like referencing like medieval like hairstyles because sure. they did do their homework for this movie. Oh, another neat thing is uh, Gawain has like golden armor, and instead they just give him like a yellow sash. That was really cool. Yeah. You know, like those understatements. Again, like this film is really good about those. So he gets he gets to the Lord's house and the Lord's like, yeah, you know, the usual like stay, eat, have a good time. Joel Egerton's very, it's very Santa Claus-esque. He's like, oh, yeah, I know where you're going. The Green Chapel, it's less than a day's ride from here. So stay mm-hmm. for a few days. You got a couple days till Christmas. Just chill and and recover your strength and I'll go out and hunt and bring you home fresh food every single day. And what I want y'all to do is why don't y'all go ahead and explain the events and then I'll do the one in the manuscript because it's it's pretty funny. I mean, it's a. <laughs> there's a lot of talking in this section. You know, uh, Joel Edgerton one night tells him, you know, I'll go out and bring you food and everything, but uh, in return, you bring to me, or you give to me, anything that you find in this house that I don't already own. And Gwen's like, 
what? But you own everything in this house. How would there be something that you don't own? And of course, you know, he's got the hots for the lady, too, because uh, she looks just like the girl he has the hots for back home. Uh, but she's a real lady, so it's a, so he doesn't have to feel guilty about having the hots for her, you know. Um, and then she gives him a sinister hand job. But, I mean, he still does because, like, you know, it, he's the Lord's wife, which is a big sure. fucking deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, sure, sure, sure. But uh, then she gives him a sinister hand job uh, and gives him back, <laughs> gives him back the the green the cum rag, the sash, yeah, the sash. She she has the sash that Barry Kewen stole from him, uh, and he comes all over it. There's a nice shot of yeah. We we see of, it in full. I mean, we don't see him come on the rag. We see the cum on the rag. Yeah, we see we see the the it's sash all, soaked, all, it's all soaked jizzy. With cum. Yeah, uh, and rag. and she tells him mysteriously when he asks where did you get this because he recognized it immediately. She says, "Oh, I made it." I made it for you. Yeah. So and then and then the the dialogue gets like mad central. She's like, "Do you want it? Do you want it?" You yeah. Know? She's asking him, "Do you want it?" Like as she's jerking him off, he's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, I want it." <laughs> and, uh, and, Which is it's pretty creepy because like like his mother gave him gave him the sack. Well, I mean that's that's the tip off that that the lady is Morgan Le Fay in mm-hmm. disguise. So. Yeah, my my, inter- my my thought while watching the movie was probably that, but I, then I thought back on it and I was like, there were other there were the other ladies there. The other one was getting her hair done up, and there's the blind woman watching, which is hilarious, by the way. He, he yeah. like he has the rag and he looks over and he sees like the blind lady, like hilarious, but like well executed, I yeah. think. Um, uh, and he looks over and he and he sees like her there. Well, the I think is, that like, was we, Morgana. We well, no, I I think it was I think it was the lady because we see Morgana herself carving the rune and then sewing it into the sash before she gives it to him and so when when the lady says like i made this yeah. for you it's like yeah that's that's his mom who just mm-hmm. uh jerked him off who just jerked him off yeah. into the but again uh, too the rag she made what him. i like yeah. about this is um it's already very uh on paper what i like about this is on paper it is very according to like the legends it makes a lot of sense for morgana right like morgana like she in 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 arthurian legends she slept with her brother right like she's Oh yeah, she's all about that. Everybody, yeah, and and so like it makes sense. Um, and and two, it's still kind of like that in the the manuscript. So actually, once you want to explain a little bit further before I before I switch over to the manuscript. Oh well, I mean, then he leaves early and he runs into to the Lord in the woods. The Lord tries to convince him to stay longer. Uh, and then he's like, no, I gotta, I gotta go. And then Joel Edgerton kisses him sensually on the lips. He does. Uh, and then as he's leaving says, if you come back this way, we won't be here. So once again, we know it's magic. So, okay. The majority of the manuscript takes place at this part of the story. 
His Odyssey is largely brushed over, um, and we're, we're, we spend most of the time in the house. Again, the manuscript's well, see, not I very wish long. There, honestly, I wish there was a little bit more of that in this movie, because when he gets to the Lord's house is when I started liking the movie again. Interesting. You should read the manuscript, yeah. The, um, the empty part is the, the stuff between when he leaves Camelot and when he gets to the Lord's house. All of that shit mm-hmm. I thought was pretty boring. But Damn. like when he gets to the Lord's house, then I started to be intrigued again and was won over you know once he then gets to interesting gets to the the green chapel so um in the manuscript he gets to the lord's house and it's very similar it's hey you're here it's christmas you're already in the middle of a christmas game i'll give you a christmas game how about another christmas game these uh, motherfuckers in their I'm, Christmas games. I know, right? <laughs> it kind of rules, though. I kind of love the idea of it. Like, there's something like that just sounds really nice about a Christmas game. Um, That's what anyway. the other reindeer wouldn't let Rudolph do. I, you're right. Wow. <laughs> I mean, man, maybe they were looking out for Rudolph if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, why don't you let me join in your reindeer games? It's like, okay, you have to land a blow against me. <laughs> and then a year hence, you have to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to return the blow to you. And Rudolph's like, oh, okay, word, never mind then, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, um, he gets he gets to the house. He does the same thing. He offers the Christmas game, and he says, I'm going to go out hunting. You hang out here, and I return. I will bring you a, a sumptuous feast, and you you will give me whatever you find in exchange. And the Lord goes off and we get like a lot of in-depth descriptions of him, like hunting creatures and like skinning them. It, it's pretty rad. Uh, like they, they, they go into full detail about like him finding the boar and all this stuff. But we, we cut back to Gawain in the story. And once again, the lady comes on to him hard. Uh, and, you know, she approaches him, you know, like says some nightly things or whatever. And she it's really cool. Like they, the way that they kind of joust. Um, like verbally, uh, like she tries to pin it as him being dishonorable for not kissing her. He manages to sidestep it. And this is the part in the story where he truly earns himself. This is, this is the moment where he turns her down. But the way he does it is the first night she gives him a kiss on the cheek. So the Lord comes back and he says, all right, you know, like, thanks for the boar. Here's your gift. And he gives the Lord a kiss on the cheek. And the Lord is like, yo, where'd you get this kiss on the cheek? And he's like, that wasn't part of the deal. (laughs) And then the Lord goes off uh, hunting again. She comes to him and he holds her off. She gives him two kisses on the cheek. Lord comes back again the next day. He gives the Lord two kisses on the cheek. The Lord is like, wow, your gift is way better than my gift. It gets homoerotic as fuck. Where'd like, you learn to give head like that? Yeah, like, where'd you... <laughs> yeah, man, see, that would've been... Right? No, that's what's so funny, is that is super implied in the story, too. It's like, 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 and then Gwen is like, oh, God, am I gonna have to, like, fuck the Lord? Like, and if he comes back, like, what's going on? It's so funny, That would've dude. been much better if, as he was leaving, and the Lord approaches him in the woods, if Gawain gave him, like, a sinister... A handy. Hand <laughs> Do you want it? Um, it's like, do you want dude, it? Do you no, want it? Do you want thing, it? Here's the thing, right? Like, um, my wife always asks me that when she's tugging me off. The book, like, it, it, it gets mad homoerotic. Like, there, there's a bit where, um, it was so funny. The the reader 
who was like British uh, in the, the audiobook I, I read, he's reading over it and, and there was a bit where he cracks. He, he's reading, he's like, and they did much merry kissing and then they uh, they went off to bed as Frenchmen. <laughs> they did much merry kissing yeah. as Frenchmen. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and, and, yeah like, like as Frenchmen do because like the like the book is like like it's obviously British so like like they're just being like yeah they're being they're getting a little queer like the French like it's fucking hilarious um and I'm bisexual I could say that uh but anyway um uh <laughs> The, uh, what is it? Um, and then he comes back the third, and then on the third night, he, he really has to turn the lady down. Like, he shows up at his bedchamber, and he's like, yo, I'd love to, but... I, I, I can't keep smooching your husband. I, you gotta I, stop. I, <laughs> I'm a knight. Like, we gotta, you know, like, I have to, I gotta try and be honorable and whatnot. And she says, like, you know, and she's, like, mad disappointed or whatever. And then he, he gives the Lord three kisses, and hits the road. Um, oh, no, 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 no. She says, okay, well, if you cannot have me in bed, have my sash. And that is where he gets the sash for the first and only time. Right. And she says, this will protect you from all harm. So he gets the sash. He passes that trial and it, uh, heads off into the woods. From there, if you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and do the whole end of the manuscript. And we can get to the film and yeah. why, what, yeah. what the differences are. He, he goes on his journey. He meets the fox again. He finds the green chapel and he describes it as satanic. It is horrifying from the outside. He is he is he is quivering in his boots as he as he enters the place. And sure enough, the green knight is waiting there. And um, the same circum the same sequence happens where the green knight like goes to hit him and he flinches the first time. It's played out very similarly, which I liked. And then he says, "You know what? Fine, let's do it." And the green knight hits him, and it doesn't do anything. And then the green knight hits him one more time, and it nicks him a little bit. He says to the Green Knight, um, like, don't you fucking dare hit me again. Don't you whatever. Like, I'll, I'm ready to fight you now. Like, we've I've, I've, I've done your thing honorably. And the Green Knight's like, yo, slow down, cuz. We're cool. Like, uh, don't don't worry about it. Like, uh, so here's the thing. Here's the big reveal. I was the Lord. And like, you know, like uh, reveals that he was the Lord and that Morgana or Morgan was behind the whole thing. Morgan Le Fay, like, set up the whole the whole circumstance. She was the lady. She wanted to to see if King Arthur's court could actually match its its valor, um, if they were actually noble enough to pass, you know, this this test. And uh, you did good, kid. But and he's like, well, you know, I didn't do perfect. I kind of lied to you with what with this green sash and all. And uh, and he says, yeah. So um, I hit you a second time for that reason. And like, so now. Gawain goes back to King Arthur's court, and for the rest of his days, he wears the green sash as a mark of shame, which I love that they made it a cum rag in the movie, because, like, yeah. it is that is a, about as much of a rag of shame as you could ever have uh, <laughs> in your possession. So um, I love the idea of, yeah, him, him wearing this green belt as a, as a forever reminder of his shame, you know, and, and saying, like, I, I can be a knight, I can be a lord. But you have to, and the parable is like you have to remember that that is a part of yourself always, you know. Like like the that beast is always at the door, you know. You got to rise above. I like that a lot. It's it's a matter of acknowledging it and not just saying like we're all perfect. What I don't like is then the book goes on a bit of a, uh, you know, hits a bit of a diatribe. We go on a bit of a spiel about how all women are temptresses, 
and true. Uh, <laughs> it, it like pins oh, like so the fall the of book. Rome on women. Oh, so you say the book is speaking fact? <laughs> <laughs> and and it like it gets into uh, how like all great men fall to like the wily ways of of, of temptresses and uh, seducers and Not fornicators. Not enough of that in this book. In and this movie. and uh, and it's like yep. So we have to be noble for God. And I'm like well. You know, you had me up until that. You're you're doing a really good job, uh, story. And I kind of remembered, like, yeah, like chivalry. You know, it has problems. Uh, I mean, you know, being noble for it's... God is really just code for being gay with your boys. <laughs> like, I mean, dude, but like for real so though. Of, like, considering so much how much that... he was like kissing on that Lord, and how much the Lord was like, yo, this gift is way better. So much of that like medieval misogyny is just based off of dudes like being closeted gays and just like wanting to fuck their boys. I mean, the thing is, is like they weren't like, even all that closeted. These women. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, they ruin everything. I have to go be chivalrous with my dudes, with my fellow knights. We gotta go be chivalrous in the woods, you mm-hmm. know, uh, for, for God. Yeah. So what I like is this movie says, hey, that's not really the right answer either. And it gives us, I think, a much better one. Like I said, I, I, I came around on a lot of the stuff in the ending of the movie. It, it's it's kind of similar to the way you described it. Like, he meets the fox again. The fox tries to convince him not to go or tries to tell him, like, hey, you're not a knight. You don't have to go do this. And he doesn't. And the, the fox even tries to could say, well, fine, if you're going to go do it, then leave your sash behind. Yeah. If you're, if you're really bad, if you're bad, then you don't need the sash, right? Um, so he goes to the Green Chapel. I like that he gets there a little bit early and he has like a whole day and night just sitting in there with like the Green Knight is like up on his throne, but he's like totally immobile. Although he does open his eyes and look at him at night, uh, which I thought was cool. Did you see his face change? Um, no. His face changes. In what way? It, it shifts to Joel Egerton. I did not see that I at didn't all. Catch that yeah. I also didn't even think that it looked like Ralph Ineson to begin with. I just recognized his voice. Um, but he, uh, you know, the, the next day the Green Knight gets up. He's like, ah, is it Christmas? Is it time to do our thing? He takes his axe. Gawain flinches the first couple of times. And then the third time he just straight up says, nope, can't do it, and runs away. Hmm. Uh, and we see him making his way Back to Camelot, he passes uh, Barry Kewen in the field on his way back, just kind of, like, aimlessly stumbling around. And we get this whole montage of, like, the rest of his life. He has a, a child with Essel, the prostitute, but does not make her the lady. They take the baby, and he leaves her uh, a handful of coins on the bed where she gave birth. Um, once again, just like making himself out to be a total shit. Uh, he, he, uh, Arthur dies. He takes over as King. Uh, we see a battle in the future when he's older, where his, his son is killed. Uh, then he marries like a, a, a right proper lady and has uh, a baby with her, a daughter, did she look like Winfred to you? She did, and I actually had bit, to look yeah. it up afterwards. It's not I the, same it the same but it no. isn't. They're both just redheads. I think that's all it is. Yeah. Um, she did look a little bit like Winifred, but then we see him as an old man. He comes back from the battle. Somebody, uh, one of the peasants, throws a rock at him, so we know he's not a popular king. And then we see him in the throne room, and the castle seems to be under siege, and the the enemy is breaking down the doors, and... Um, 
He removes the green sash that he's been wearing this whole time. We see Essel try to take it off when they're banging, and he, like, stops her from from pulling it off. Which leads me to believe, like, how does he put his clothes on under the sash? Because, like, we see him wearing it over his it's clothes. It's supposed to very carefully. Uh, it's supposed to, like, things that butt up in the front or, like, move back. So you can, you like, can take it off it, and, just, yeah. Just, like, tuck it under the sash. But anyway, uh, as the, right as the enemy's about to break into the gates... He uh, he removes the sash and his head falls off. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I love the idea, like too, of it, like it holding it together the whole time. Yeah, like, it's it's protection. The, but the Green Knight did cut his head off, but uh, the sash, because no man can strike him down while he's wearing it, it holds his head on. But then it cuts back to him on his knees in the Green Chapel, and it's revealed to all be just... A revelation. A revelation, yeah. Him seeing the way the future yeah. goes. If I if then, I hold to, like, my... Uh, if I hold to honor, like, if I hold to the chivalric code, like, this is what this will get me. Have you guys seen The Last Temptation of the Christ? The Martin Scorsese yeah. one? No, I haven't. It's it's on my list of shame. I really need to see it. Not to spoil that one, but that one does pretty much the same thing, where Jesus gets off the cross, and we see kind of his vision of what would happen if he still lived, and then it just cuts back to mm. him dying on the cross. So that was kind of strange to me, because it was... Very, very similar. Yeah, in structure. Honestly, though, um, it is sort of a lot. Honestly, though, I I liked it in this movie because before before it cut back to him in the chapel, I was kind of frustrated with him running away from the Green Knight. But I I like that it cuts back. He's had this sort of revelation and realized that like yeah, he could he could keep wearing the sash, but that that's still failure. He would not be truly noble and virtuous. So he pulls off the sash, and the Green Knight kind of kneels down and is like, "Oh, my brave little knight! You sure now, about this, dog? <laughs> now off with it! Now off with your head!" And then it cuts to credits, and this is like the finally the moment where I I liked him for the first time in the damn movie. <laughs> uh, but he find he chooses the green. He chooses an honorable and noble death rather than the false honor of having fled from his destiny and going back and becoming a bad king. Yeah. Um and and that I liked very much. Like it the movie definitely won me over in that regard at the end. I I thought that was that was pretty satisfying. That was yeah, fantastic. That that revelation is so wonderful, and it, and it's it's foreshadowed beautifully throughout the film, as I mentioned like previously with him imagining himself dead. Um, we have the uh, the encounter with Winifred, like her head is chopped off. He's speaking to her spirit, right? Um, like and her concerns, and and in some cases too, like there's a lot of lessons that came out of that scene, right? Like like her almost disregard for being dead. She's like, I just want my head back, dog. You yeah, know? she yeah. basically goes, like, "What's the difference?" Yeah, she yeah, she even that. I think she says something yeah. along those lines, which is again like like. There's such a valuable lesson in that, right? When he reaches the end there, like, like he's, he, he gains so much from that, right? Because he's, he's able to recognize. It's like, yeah, this is, like, this is just nature reclaiming. Like, I've done my part. You know, I got to go at some point. And uh, what I just envisioned, like, involves me living longer, but it's not better. And, and it's not honorable either. No, it's and not. And, that's, and truly and that's what honorable. He want. Yeah, he wants, he, he prefers death and true honor than life and false honor. And he learns that in that moment. And like that was the tension I was talking about throughout the film too, of like him being virtuous or not. He decides whether to 
project virtue or to be virtuous mm-hmm. because that's that's sort of the the thing throughout the film is you 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 sense that he is projecting virtue but he is not being virtuous yeah and at the end there he decides this is being virtuous i'm i am in a chapel with this tree man who's just going to disappear there are no witnesses no one will know of my conquest of my ventures of my lessons of anything it is not for anyone but for virtue, it is mm-hmm. only for myself, and 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 then I will return to the earth. And and I I adore that. And I didn't know how to feel about it. Like when the credits rolled, it, yeah, it, I didn't took know, me I into didn't like either. like it I had was... to sleep on it. And like I woke up the next morning being like, oh, yeah, like I was, get it. Like it was I had definitely to, it was definitely mm. in contemplation. And, and, and man, it's been a long time since I've come out of a film and I've had that many questions about it. And like I've had to like sit and like really like let those revelations sort of wash over me. And I I just I adore this movie for it. And I, and I think that's a huge testament to like the the stillness and the slowness of and the the meditative like qualities of this film. That like even in all of that, like it's still like I, I still needed that time to like soak it in. And I, and I really want to watch it again like immediately like and and find all the little things that I missed. Why don't you slap a rating on that? Five. Easy five. Uh, favorite film of the year so far. It, it beat out In the Earth. It's, it's beat out Psycho Gorman. I, I adore it. I absolutely adore this film. You know, let me go on a little rant about kind of the, the macro level of this movie. This, kind of, this movie kind of reflects a filmmaking style that's become very trendy in the past decade or two. I would call it Nicholas Winding Rain-esque mm. in that it's very much art over artifice style over substance and it honestly left me feeling a little empty it reminded me a bit of last year's gretel and hansel a movie that i thought looked very good at times but didn't leave me with much to grasp and while this movie definitely left me with more to think about than something like only god forgives or gretel and hansel it still didn't leave me feeling much. You know, I I felt like this movie, while it was playing with some interesting allegories and ideas, it really felt like it was missing an emotional core to it. And while I think there were some really beautiful shots, I think a lot of the acting was pretty good, I just was left underwhelmed. I'm going to give it a three out of five. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you say there, Ben. Um, I I also, while I was watching the movie, started thinking back to Gretel and Hansel in the same kind of way, where it was very aesthetically pleasing, but kind of empty. I do think that the, the movie did really win back some points with me in the end. Um, I, I found myself pretty bored for a lot of Gawain's journey but the the conclusion of his journey and the decisions made there uh i i thought were were really strong and brought the movie back around uh and and kind of saved it in my opinion because i think i would have given it an even lower score if the ending had been as deflated as i found the the bulk of the middle section but it did not. Uh, I agree with you. Acting solid across the board. Good cast. Dev Patel's great. Gawain's kind of a shitty character, but Dev Patel plays him well. Alicia Vikander is good as always. Barry Kewen's good. Joel Edgerton is good. Ralph Ineson is good. 
Uh, Sean Harris plays King Arthur, and he's good. Uh, solid casting. <laughs> I did think it was funny that at the very beginning of the movie, when the A24 logo came up, somebody in our theater started applauding. Oh my um, god. I, I thought that was Yikes. that was pretty silly. Honestly, okay, I was talking to my friend Yance the other day about this uh, as a writer at Dread XP. Like, the perception of A24 is, like, that they're, like, the the, the big, like, art house, like, yeah. like, like production studio, but, like, Calm down. <laughs> like, well, like, that's, that's, calm yeah, down, everybody. That, that's like, the thing. Is like hey. I, I'm definitely an A24 fanboy in the regard that like. Sure. I'm, I mean, they produce some absolute bangers. Some like, of my favorite movies ever made have cut have been. A24. But they're not all bangers. Yeah, they've came out with some fucking duds too. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, they're a production the company. Thing. Like, like that happens. They're, it's, it, they're and they're just a production company. Like they're yeah, they put out some real bangers. Having like, a production company but, or a distributor, even not even a production company necessarily yeah. a distributor be a brand like this selling like $60 tote bags and yeah. uh, you know merch is weird that's the kind of cultiness I don't care yeah. for uh, and I, yeah it's, it's it's epitomized by people who clap when they see a, the A24 I'm gonna go on a little tangent about yeah. that actually I, they put out like coffee table books of uh, a lot of their scripts yeah. in full, like The Witch and Hereditary. I thought about that. that which that I'd be down and, for. Uh, they have great. like photos in the middle. This is the reason I have And uh, <laughs> they did not take into account that photo books have a sort of gutter in the middle where, uh, you know, printing at the middle of the page will not be able to be seen, right? Because Yeah, you have to create a kind of gap. Yeah, yeah. It's in the crease of the book. And a lot of these movies have cinematography where the subject is in the middle of the frame. Yeah. So for example, there's a Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, that's the reason I haven't bought it. There's an case. opening with in the hereditary book where Alex Wolf's face is in the very center kind of, of the sucked page. into the middle of the and book. It looks like he has half a face just because it's like eye eye right next to each other yeah, in view. Yeah, man. Anywho, uh, not to get us off on that tangent, I'm going to give the film a three and a half out of five. I liked it pretty well, but I didn't love it in the way that I that I was really hoping I would. Uh, so that'll give The Green Knight an average of 3.8 out of 5 pods. We predicted this one. We did! Let's uh, do the numbers! So I'd lost we'll, this one. We'll start I, I have no with idea. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Tease, you predicted 83. Steve, you predicted I 85. I already know what the Rotten Tomatoes and is, too. I predicted I 74. Up. Not and for the it's predictions. currently sitting at 88. So Cleve, oh. you won that one. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 For the critic? Yep, for the Rotten Tomatoes. For our communal score. Oh, can I mention actually real quick about the Rotten Tomatoes? Um, is that... The audience score is pretty low. It's I have seen 50. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's right at 50, whereas the critic score is like 90. It's like way up there. Um, it's 88. 88 now. Yeah, it was it was 90 when I when I checked a day or two ago. Pretty disparate. Pretty pretty. Disparate. I'm not surprised. Yeah, this no, is it, not it's a crowd an, pleaser. No, it's this, an, if, it's a very academic. If movie. you have if you have no context for Arthurian myth at all, which I would say has not been relevant to the zeitgeist for several decades now, like I can absolutely see this movie doing nothing for you. Yeah, I mean that was basically me. But um, anyways, for our communal rating score. Predictions. TC predicted four out of five. 
Cleve, you predicted five out of five, and I predicted four and a half out of five. Yes! Yeah. That one I definitely wasn't Hell wondering. yeah! I was only point two off. I'll take it. I, I do I do wish it could have been higher. I do. I do. Um, I wanted to like this movie I wanted more. to like it more than I did. Anyway, next week, new movies continue. Uh, Don't Breathe 2 crept up on us. That's what that's coming out already. And uh, we can go see it. I don't know. I don't know much about it. But it's breathing on our necks. I, I've seen the one trailer that's been going around for it. I don't know how to feel. Uh, We're going to find out. how. I, I went to see Suicide Squad yesterday and they showed the red band trailer for Don't Breathe 2. And I am worried that it spoiled everything in the oh, movie. I'm oh, sorry, no! bud. I hate it when trailers do that. We'll see. I hate but trailers. But I, yeah. I am curious about this one. It seems like they're kind of unceremoniously putting this one out. Yeah, and Uh-oh. man, I've always, I've been wondering since this one was announced, like how you do a sequel to Don't Breathe. Like it's such a well self contained film. Yeah. Um. I and and also this one is not directed by Fede Alvarez, as far as I know. It's correct. written by him. It's written by directed. him, but not directed. Uh-huh. Um. Well, we'll see. Anyway, uh, I'll I'll just say. Don't hold your breath, listeners. <laughs> uh, but you can tune back next week to, to hear our thoughts on Don't Breathe 2. But now it's time. Sponsor. Sponsor Shelf, grant us your blessing. All right, this week, The Green Knight uh, podcast episode on Pod People was brought to you by, hey, that thing over there. You see that thing over there? That. Right there, that thing. That one? No, 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 not that one. That one. That thing. That thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. you see it now, yeah. Gotcha. That thing over there, that's sponsored the podcast. That's our sponsor this week. Thanks, that thing over there. You're welcome. We really appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for us this week. If you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can also support the boys on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Give me my money. We have uh, three different subscriber tiers uh, that you can check out. But don't worry, if you're not in a place to support the show... Uh, with a, a monetary contribution, that's okay. None of our content's paywalled. You're, you're going to get all the episodes for free still. Um, but if you go to Patreon, you can get the episodes early. Um, so check that out. You can also follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios as we put out progress on It Stares Back. Y'all, we're getting real close. The 13th through the 15th. One of those days, we're going to put out a new trailer on uh, I Realms Deep. that that is this weekend if you're listening to the episode. Wow, we're coming out. up. Yeah, stay that tuned, is- folks. It's going to be something. I'm really excited to show show off this show this stuff off. Um uh yeah, for our for our new chapter, The Drowned Queen, uh where you'll get all sorts of fun chivalrous stuff that isn't mega misogynist, unlike not the original yet. Green Knight manuscript. <laughs> uh yeah, not yet, I guess. Yeah. Um we are at early access, so stay tuned to find out. Maybe we'll go super misogynist. You don't know how the I game's going to end. I still have to write a lot of stuff for that chapter, so I have plenty <laughs> of time to get real misogynist before it comes out. Yep, and I might stop you. And uh Good luck. <laughs> if you can catch me. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. So uh, that's uh, you can also find my artwork on ArtStation if you search Cleveland Mosier. And um, uh, you can also find me working at DreadXP as we put out uh, super fun games like Spookware and um, uh, also Dread Delusion. Uh, stay tuned uh, for more information on that front. But, uh, yeah, Spookware should be coming out pretty soon. So get excited about that. Anyway, that's all from me. All right, thanks for listening, folks. And until next time, remember, chivalry, it actually ain't dead. He was not at all afraid to be killed in nasty ways. Pray, 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 Sir Robin. He was not in the least bit scared to be mashed into a pulp. For to have his eyes gouged out and his elbows broken... To have his kneecap split and his body burned away And his limbs all hacked and mangled, brave Sir Robin His head smashed in and his heart cut out And his liver removed and his bowels unplugged And his nostrils raped and his bottom burnt off and his penis That's, that's, uh, that's enough music for now, lads <laughs> Looks like there's dirty work afoot He is brave Sir Robin, brave Sir Robin Shut up! To fight and... Shut up! Packing it up and sneaking away and buggering off and chickening out and pissing up home. Yes, bravely, he is flowing in the spine. Oh, Robin, oh. surely you've not given up your quest for the Holy Grail. He is sneaking away and Shut buggering up. off.